Last week, we talked about some of the parting words Jesus gave to his disciples, um, that he was giving them a purpose, he was giving them an encouragement, he was also giving them a promise, and we were talking about how some of those things he was passing on to them uh, might also apply to us. Jesus talked about a lot of things. Those were just some of the last things he talked about uh, before he moved on, before he ascended into heaven. Now, there was lots of things that he talked about over his life, and if you were to ask people, what did Jesus talk about the most? What did Jesus spend the most amount of his time talking about? Um, it'd be interesting to see what people's answers are. I think some of the guesses people might have, like, what did Jesus talk about the most? Um, might be like forgiveness, uh, being nice, uh, going to church, <laughs> love, uh, being loving. None of those things actually were the things he talked about most. Uh, the thing that he talked about most was the kingdom of God. And if you've been hanging out here for a little while, you've probably heard us define uh, what we mean by the kingdom of God. A kingdom is a system of relating. It's a way people interact with one another. It's a power structure. It's relationships. So kingdom sounds like some far off medieval situation. And it did apply in those days. That was a kingdom. Um, it was a system of relating, but we still, in the modern day, we have systems of relating. If you have relationships with people, there is a kingdom present, a system of relating present. So our schools, in a sense, are a kingdom. Our, our culture as a nation in Canada has a kingdom. There's a system of relating. There's a power dynamic. There's the way that people engage with one another. Um, and there's ins and outs, things that, you know, work well, things that don't, things we should do, things that we shouldn't. Uh, and that is our kingdom. Now, an example of some modern ways we talk about kingdom uh, would be ideas like, would, I'm sure you've heard people discussing like capitalism. Does it work? Is it failing us? Is it working for us? Is it a good idea, a bad idea, an okay idea? Or socialism, is it a great idea? Is it a horrible idea? Is it a helpful idea? Is it a dangerous idea? Democracy, fascism, racism, these are terms used to describe elements of our current kingdom. None of these things cover the whole system of relating, but we too, like Jesus when he was on earth, spend a lot of time trying to figure out where we fit and where others fit into the system of relating around us. And Jesus was introducing a system of relating. He laid out a kingdom where those who were poor were valued, where those who put others first instead of themselves were considered strong where the leaders in this kingdom, the people who had the power, used that power to lift other people up and to serve other people rather than taking from them. Where vulnerable people who could not protect or advocate for themselves were advocated for. Where people who are oppressed are seen and set free and then held in high esteem. Where those who only have a little bit and share a little bit of what they have are celebrated just as much as those who have a lot and share what they have. In, in the kingdom, Jesus was talking about those who admit their need for help are appreciated. In God's kingdom, the, the poor and the sick and the vulnerable and the people in power all eat at the same table. They have right relationship with one another and are not separated by how much they have, whether that be power or money or health. In God's kingdom, doing what's right and true is more important than being understood. In God's kingdom, what's true about you is more important than what happens to you. In God's kingdom, we live in right relationship with ourselves 
with each other, with our planet, and with God. Now, when Jesus introduced these ideas, all these themes come from um, one major sermon he gave on a hillside in Israel, and it was an announcement of what he came to do. And it was crazy talk when he said it. Some of it actually seems pretty familiar to us today. We're like, yeah, I am familiar with those concepts. Some of it seem a little bit like, ah, no, I don't see that. Our world doesn't look like that. And I bet as I read that, some of it, you're like, yeah, I agree. And some of it, you're like, yeah, no, we really fall short as a, as a country or as a community in Chilliwack or maybe in your family or your school, all these different kingdoms that we're in. Some of them look like this in some ways. Some of them don't look like it at all. But when this was announced, it seemed like absolute crazy talk. Because 2,000 years ago, a lot of these norms, a lot of these ideas that Jesus announced were actually brand new. And society did not look like that. In many ways, it looked quite the opposite. So to come and make a declaration like this, like those who need help um, are actually considered strong. If you admit you need help, you're considered strong. That would have been like, no, 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 no. I, <laughs> I don't believe in that. And we're going to break down some of those examples and some of the change we've seen over those 2,000 years. Um, and 2,000 years ago, this, this started. So the thing that Jesus talked about over and over again, more than any other thing, is that the kingdom of God was arriving, it was starting, and that it was going to continue growing. And in the future, it would arrive in completion. So there's something to look forward to in the future, where in heaven, none of these uh, inequalities, none of these uh, evidences, uh, or sorry, none of these uh, like effects of, of oppression, none of this grief um, is going to exist. There's, there's something to look forward to where this isn't going to happen anymore. And in the meantime, it's going to start getting better. Jesus taught that a new system was starting, it was going to continue growing, and it would eventually happen fully. So his kingdom for, for us in 2021 is already starting and not yet complete. So let's look a little bit at the history, where things were, where things are now, and where things are going. So when this announcement was made by Jesus that the, that the poor are valued, the poor are important, um, poor were believed, the, the poor were believed to be being punished by whatever belief system people had in that area. So they would think that if someone was poor, they were being punished by God, and that was why they were poor. Um, Jesus says, comes down and says, no, I am God and I can tell you that's not true. They're just poor because they don't have that much money. They might be poor because somebody stole from them. We don't know why they're poor, but what's true is that they're just as important as everybody else. I know that because I am God. So let's not believe that the poor are being judged by God and that's why they're poor. Now in a community, in a society that believes the poor are poor because they're being judged by God, then to help them out and to try to make their situation better would be to work against God and to think you know better than God. So it'd be incredibly destructive for a society to believe that those who were down on their luck were being judged because then you would have no incentive to help them and probably incentive to let it continue happening or make it worse because that's the way that it's meant to be. It was believed that those who were poor deserved it. Nowadays, we're kind of 50-50 on getting better at that. In some ways, we're a lot better, and in some ways, we're dealing with some of the same problems. Hospitals, soup kitchens, social wel welfare programs, the idea of personal charity, these things start swelling up. I was reading a book about hospitality, and, and I thought it was going to be about like how to make your friends feel happier when they come over. And I, what I realized was that hospitality is so much bigger. It's about treating uh, strangers like family, and that's the idea of hospitality. And the word hospital... Uh, came because they started hospitality centers. 
So people who were following Jesus would welcome the sick and the poor into their homes in the years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, and that, they, they were not hospitals in those communities, so they would just have the, the people who were sick over to their homes and feed them and try to make them better, try to heal their wounds, try to figure out what's going on, set them up to be reintegrated into society. Uh, and then they started setting these up in other communities because there might not have been enough people who could open their homes. So then they set up facilities and they would just go send people to work on them and then they you know, divided up shifts. And the next thing you know, we have these facilities set up for hospitality. Over time, they became strictly for health and we developed other systems for food, um, other systems for you know, rehabilitation and relational building. And we end up making them all kind of separate. And 2,000 years later, these things are all a big part of our world that are super helpful and good. And where someone who's sick or poor actually has a chance to get taken seriously and given resources. 2,021 years later, we're doing quite a bit better. And yet, sometimes the poor still get treated like secondhand citizens, marginalized, looked down on. We feed them, but not always at the same table as us. We'll give you food, but eat it over there at that center, not with my family. Maybe because deep down, sometimes some of us still believe they deserve it. God's kingdom is arriving. It's a lot better than it was, but I think we all know better is possible. I think we all know the best is yet to come. Let's talk about the oppressed. Holding slaves 2,000 years ago is very common. To have someone in your house whose only reason for existing in your belief was to make your life better. And what would be really routine is for a nation to go conquer another nation's land and take over, take the resources, and then take the people and say, you can either serve me and do everything I tell you or you're going to get beat or tortured. It was considered fair and right and good because you could take the land and therefore they should do what you say, because if you can, then you should. And that was how the uh, oppressed were looked at. And, and nowadays, we don't have household slaves. We, we actively fight against racism and inequality. There's a lot of very valuable discussions having right now where we're, we're saying, how can we do this better? We don't have slaves in our homes, but are there people who are still getting treated unfairly? And can we do that better and different? And people are talking about this and believing that it's worthwhile that everyone gets treated the same, regardless of where they come from. And if, things have been, if people have been treated unfairly in the past, we want to do that differently and make it right. We're, we're getting better. It's massive progress. But is it all better? Is it totally fair right now for every person? You know, we have people who make our shoes and our phones without being paid fairly or treated humanely, but we don't see it personally, so we can tolerate it. We have a long way to go. The kingdom is arriving. It's very obvious to me that this isn't the fullest expression of equality in 2021. I know the best is yet to come. I can go on and on about all these different things that, that Jesus points out of what a standard of a good life is, where we're, we're getting it. There's progress. Things are a lot more beautiful than they have been. And there's still more that can happen. And if you want to do a little bit of research on your own time, read through Matthew 5. That's where uh, a lot of these ideas come from, the Sermon on the Mount. Do a little bit of research on ancient civilizations and see how these ideas have shaped us. What, what did things look like then? What do things look like now? In what ways have they got better? And in what ways is there still so much room for us to value the people Jesus says are meant to be valued, which is everyone. 
God's way of relating his kingdom is entering in our world, it's making a difference, and it will be complete when Jesus returns. We'll get a new earth. We're going to live in right relationship with each other. We're going to live in right relationship with the planet, right relationship with God. What does that mean, though, for you and me today, people who are living in the in-between, people who are living after this kingdom was announced and before it's fully happened? It's kind of like an awkward in between. It's a really cool and beautiful time to live because we know it's possible and it's really difficult and awkward because it's not always happening and there's a lot of conflict in making it happen. So what does that mean for us? I have four points that I think uh, are relevant, four things that are true for someone who is apprenticing after Jesus with all this in mind, that we are living between the kingdom being announced and the kingdom being fully realized. Four things. One, it's a reminder that following Jesus is a lot bigger than just being nice. Sometimes we can get stuck thinking of a tame, nice, don't cause any conflict version of Jesus. Jesus absolutely is loving, he's empathetic, he's compassionate, he's kind. But someone who has empathy and compassion for someone who is hurting is not inactive in solving their problems. Jesus is establishing a way of relating that is always in conflict with the old way of relating. Good news for the oppressed is very bad news for the oppressor. There's conflict there. There's kindness and compassion and mercy in the midst of conflict, but there is conflict. Following Jesus is not just about being nice, it's about making things right. Number two, we should feel like we don't fit in sometimes. We all want to. Trust me, I don't want to stand out. It's painful, it's awkward, it's actually tiring. It's one of the reasons I hate celebrating my birthday because everyone's looking at you the whole day and it's just like exhausting to be the center of attention, I would love to just blend in and not be noticeable every single day. So if you feel that way, I'm with you. And I'm not talking about being weird for the sake of being weird, but some things are just straight up not worth fitting in with. There are times where the kingdom of this world is actually not something we want to blend in with. You know, we talked about the difference between those who are being oppressed and those who are oppressing. You know, if we're side by side with people who are oppressing, I actually don't want to fit in with them. Just because it's happening around me doesn't mean it's the way that I want to be. The system of relating the kingdom of our world isn't actually working well. We can look around and see that there are people hurting, there are people getting left out, there are people being disrespected. I don't think what's going on right now is working. So I don't actually want to be like it. It's exhausting to stand out, it's exhausting to be different. Um, but I don't think this is a system I want to blend in with. God gives us a way healthier, way more sustainable, way more informed system of relating that brings healing to the world. And we will never change the world by trying to be like it. If we're focused on what's to come, we will be different. And when you notice that you're standing out a bit, be encouraged, not discouraged. It'll be uncomfortable, but it should happen sometimes. A third thing. For those of us who are following Jesus, we, we are many people's only window into God's kingdom. Our lives are the primary way the people around us will hear about God's way of relating. I don't want reading the Bible to be the only place someone would have the opportunity to hear about the kingdom of God. Imagine someone reading Jesus' words after knowing you for a while. You know, they've lived around you, they've been your friend, they've gone to class with you, they've worked with you. And then one day, they open up and they read the stuff that Jesus is announcing here in the Sermon on the Mount. Would they say, like, would they be confused and like, man, I've never heard of these ideas before? Or would they read it and say, wow, that description of a way to live 
reminds me of my friend. You know, like, it's the way Jesus is saying, like, this life he's describing sounds so much like my friend Sebastian. That's crazy. I feel like I've seen this before because I know Sebastian. There are things that people won't understand when they read it or when they hear it, but when they experience it. And as an apprentice of Jesus, you are evidence of the kingdom. And number four is we have hope. You're not crazy or idealistic or naive for wanting to see this world get better. If you're frustrated, if you're disappointed, if you're longing for something different, you understand what's true. It was meant to be better. It is getting better and it will all be made right. And you can be a part of it. So, four things to remember as a follower of Jesus, living between the kingdom being announced and the kingdom being finalized. Following Jesus is a lot bigger than being nice. We should feel like we don't fit in sometimes. We will be the only example for some people of what this kingdom is. And we can have hope. 